Battleline podcast. Uh, very excited for this episode. We have Robert W. Allen coming on. And uh, although we usually talk to a lot of special ops guys, Robert is not a special ops guy, but he has had multiple combat deployments, former CIA, State Department security advisor. And the thing that I didn't realize, I, I spoke with Robert yesterday. I mean, so many listeners of this show, I would say, are in their own right historians of what happened at Benghazi. You know, we have a follower on Twitter named, uh, his, his at is at Benghazi Notes, and he always uh, basically recap some of the things that happened, the timeline on that day. And I didn't know that Robert was actually on the protection detail for DynCor with Ambassador Stevens in Jerusalem. So it might be interesting to get some background from Robert on Ambassador Stevens, oh, yeah. among other things. Well, I'll just talk about the details and so forth. I, you know, Rob and I have known Rob for a while. And um, I think any background, it's just interesting whether it's, it, it makes it more interesting because it was Chris, it was Ambassador Stevens. And for those that follow the story uh, of Benghazi, know that he, you know, he passed away. Uh, and I, I do think he was the target of a kidnapping attempt. To be honest with, you. that's my opinion uh, of why they they tried to get him. And, and, uh, and your opinion holds some weight. You were there. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, it does. It, it's not just someone on the news. I, I it, believe you. It, and that's this. And just just by the tax stated, but just because of his him. Him, uh, him protecting Chris, you can talk about Ambassador Stevens as well. Because when you're on a security detail, uh, depending on which part you are within that detail, you do get to know your protectee. In fact, it's I, it's not like the Kevin Costner movie. Oh, I don't want to get involved in uh, bodyguard. Hey, no, no, I can't do my job if I'm emotionally involved. Honestly, I, I think it's the exact opposite. You, you do your job better when you have an a, a emotional connection with your protectee. And with mo I think most ambassadors knew that. Uh, I protected Ambassador Zalmay Khalilzad, the ambassador to Baghdad, Iraq. I was a detail leader when I was with the State Department and also with the DCM Deputy Chief of Mission, um, the Chargé des Affaires, uh, Mr. Uh, why am I drawing a blank? Um, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm drawing. We'll, we'll come back to it. Jo uh, okay. Jeffries, Jeffries, uh, Ambassador Jeffrey. And um, I, I did develop a relationship with them. I wanted to talk to them. I wanted to know them. I wanted to to see who they were. And and, and I don't know. You just it, it's like anything else. If even whether you like him or not, I think getting a, a relationship with that protectee, you tend to want to stick your neck out for him a little bit more. More so when you do like him. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll, I'll be honest with you. And like, oh, no, it's a professional in the job. We're shit. That's human nature. You like the guy you, or the girl, you like them. It's just human nature. You want to stand for him. But that being said, even if you don't like him, the job is to protect him. So you still do it. But yeah, you got to do the job. You know who I yeah, think of? Yeah. I think of, I mean, Dan Bongino, right? The guy yeah. with Secret Service under Obama. Not exactly an Obama fan, but he had to be willing to put his life on the line. For the president. Well, then I draw the line on that one, though. I draw, I'm sorry, guys. I draw the line on that one. Dan, you're, you're I, I don't know about that. You hypocrite. I do. No, I'm giving, I'm not giving shit. But I do. There, we'll get into it more. We'll, I'm sure yeah, we, we will. But um, before we do, I mean, before we even get to Robert, we're going to recap what happened at Fort Scott for the Copper Ticket uh, yeah. event, which was excellent. And and before we do so, we got to tell you a little bit about Fort Scott. Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass. 
CNC spun ammunition. Hell yeah. There we go. Uh, that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it will be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states. Go to fortscottmunitions.com. That's fortscottmunitions.com. Link is right there in the description, no matter where you're listening. Yeah, YouTube, I, uh, Apple Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing the bullets right now. <laughs> and you can uh, always tell you can always tell her Fort Scott or FSM munitions because they got that little point. They just got a little point on them. You can always yep. tell that's what they are. Awesome job. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. You know, it's funny that I was asking. Uh, I was asking Ryan Dubier for the gift. They gave us a huge gift uh, bag, and I was like, "Is this thing just a giant mouse pad?" And he was like, "No, you know, it has." Reasons for it's, no, it's cleaning. I'm, it's for cleaning, I'm using brother. This as a giant mouse pad. Well, that, that, and, I mean, that, it's the same thing. The mouse pad, or it's a cleaning mat too. It's just it's made of the same dang material. So yeah. But the cool thing about it too is, if you look at the graphic on here, I guess I'll put it up again for people on YouTube. It shows you, um, you know, a demonstration of how far these bullets go into the skin and then into the vitals, right. as opposed it to does. competitors. It shows so. that kinetic energy and that dispersion, and that's. If we all ever want to talk about bullets, it's not the really that the bullet goes in. When you ever hear the movies, it's clean. It went in, went out. Bullets rarely do that, but that is what you want. If you're going to get shot, you want it in and out. You don't want that connected kinetic energy to disperse, and that's what creates the cavities, and that's really what kills you, aside from maybe if it fragments in you. But, yeah, you can see it right there. It hits you. If that thing goes in you, it's leaving a two-inch hole, and then it'll collapse when it goes back out of you. But that's what kills you, and that's the devastation of – of, of ammunition and uh yeah I, I mean i don't condone i don't want anybody out there killing anybody um but there are if you need to but if you need to you want it to stop a person like that you don't want to extend a fight out because that's when more people get hurt and, and uh, yeah. yeah they do a great job on their munitions and their and their merchandise and everything else oh yeah before. love yeah. their merchandise uh so and their patches everything uh, check yeah, out hold on, guys. Hold on. Uh, hold on. All right, Chris is grabbing something, but use the exclusive promo code Battleline for fifteen percent off your Dude, order. These were the coolest shirts, weren't they? I thought the I I thought oh, the that design ticket was shirts? awesome. Yes, yes, that I was, was just so wearing cool. it. Yeah, yep. that thing's awesome. They did a great job on their designs. Yep, I, I love it. Yeah, so once again, guys, uh, promo code Battleline for fifteen percent off your order. Only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto. Battleline Tactical and the Battleline Podcast. With that, let's get right into everything. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, 
and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Which is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. podcast and uh yeah we had a great time at fort scott kansas as i said earlier at the grand opening of the fort scott munitions slash battle line tactical range and a great group of guys uh i think people would love to hear your recap of the whole event i i was there for a, basically a day and a half you were yeah. there for the full full event and uh it was a blast well it, it's uh, fort defense is what we'll, what we'll name the 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 range out there it's just being out in Kansas, and we really did have some good weather. You know, I'll be honest. The, yeah, the we did. Day, we did. Even in the rain, it was raining a little bit, but it was hot enough that you needed that little bit of a drizzle, and then it then it brushed off. We didn't have a lot of wind, which in Kansas, when you get out of the winter to the spring months, you do get a lot of wind. You're starting, to, but we didn't. We had a very low amount, of, which made it wonderful out there. It's just, it really is God's country. You're looking down over the rolling hills, and I think people think Kansas is flat corn and it is on the western part of the state but when you get to the eastern part of the state and you start getting into the ozarks which is we're on the edge of the ozark national forest you know you start getting those rolling hills and those jagged yellow rocks that just looks like they grow right out of the ground and 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 then um just being outside with it was there's so many birds and wildlife out here even on the ranges man i mean they're still all out here it's just it's gorgeous it's a it was an oasis and having the guys we had out there like Johnny and Sherm from uh, Guns Out, man, those guys are awesome. You you, you had a, uh, you had GOA out there. You had um, guys from uh, what was it? Um, Quint Morgan, Black, Black, Hank Quint Strange. Morgan, Hank Strange is the Godfather. Hank Strange was out there. You know, you had he had Blackout Coffee guys out there with Jared, and he's a, you know he's a law enforcement officer currently as well, and a great guy. Guy he he actually tore his. He had a slight tear in his hamstring that day one, and he still yes. pushed through part of day two. And I then I was like, dude. Go sit down, man. Get get your butt out of here. You're you're never gonna heal up. But um, you know, uh, and and then the the, uh, the Mac, what's his name, Mag Dump, man. He was a great. Yeah, yeah Mag Dump Morgan. Oh, yeah, that Mag- was Clint Morgan, right? Mag Dump yeah, yeah, Morgan. Clint, I think it was Clint, Clint Morgan. With, uh, and that's custom. Um, why? See, I'm hard, guys. I'm terrible. It was, it was a good amount of guys. But, yeah, I, I don't remember everybody's name. <laughs> but it was but it was a a great great time and what i loved about it and i i took all the uh and i hate calling them influencers i hate the word influencers uh, and that's, you know what if i could jump in on that i i agree and as someone who has met a lot of guys in i guess you'd say the influencer category i wouldn't consider any of these guys influencers. no they were when, when i think awesome. of influencer i think of i can't leave my phone for five seconds everyone was there <laughs> to learn and have a great time and it was a community of i think like-minded guys who are equally as passionate about business family their love of firearms and their and their own hobbies everybody was from all over the country and was, no they and were TJ, they were not TJ the influencer from, and, and tj from ta- from tactical shit too which be i just want to make sure yeah. he gets recognized out there and tactical shit gets recognized out there because they've been in the business they've supported me just tonto me personally since the the book came out and tj and to see those guys out there 
that are influencers. No, they're mentors, everybody. Yes. To me, they're mentors. They're people that set the example that want to bring people in the 2A community, but also how to live correctly, just how to live as good, genuine people that are nice. And you saw it. they're nicer, yeah. they're nicer than anything. And they're willing to help out and impart their knowledge. The mentors out there, they all gave a hundred percent, man. It was awesome. And and that's where that's kind of rare when you get around a bunch of Except we, we, I, I agree with you, a bunch of influencers that are more inclined of how do I look out here? What do I look like? How do, it, they didn't give two shits. I mean, yeah, they did their things. They had their cameras and all that stuff. And they should. That's that's what they get paid for. You, you got to sure. do your job. But they didn't let overwhelm them where they let that interrupt the training by myself. And Michael Billings, as you saw, is a tremendous yeah. instructor out there. Jeremy Mitchell is a tremendous instructor out there on the battle line staff. We had Pablo who, dude, yes. I love putting Pablo. And I wanted your experience with Pablo because he used to be, he was a level one shooter when Boone and I started Battle Line four years ago. And now he's, I'm like, dude, you're an instructor. Get out there. <laughs> and how tremendous he is. But just how nice, I think on, yeah. on the Battle Line tactical side, it's it's how nice you, you, you got to be nice, man. You got to, don't be an arrogant SOB just because you shoot a gun. There's nothing to be arrogant about that. Bring people up to your level by, teaching them, but also by uh, not just teaching by word, but teaching them by example, but also just being a nice person. I, and that's what I th hope you took from it because that's. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I hope he didn't, <laughs> I, I hope he didn't mind working with me though, because no, I'll, awesome. be, I'll be, I'll be the first to say there were times I got a little frustrated because it was, I am an, on an amateur level compared to a lot of these guys. I will openly say that, of course, for a lot of these guys, this is this is a huge part of their yeah. life. And it's not for me. I mean, I'm, I'm a gun rights advocate, but I've never um, I've, I've definitely never perpetrated my, uh, you know, come on the podcast and, and portrayed myself, I should say, as an expert. So there were definitely times where I was like, all right, let me just shoot this gun. And uh, and it gets a little frustrating. But I know that there's a reason for it because you guys really put safety first. So there were probably times I got a little frustrated with well, he, Bobble, he said but that, at the same time, I think at the end of the day, it was like, dude, thank you so much. So I, I hope you didn't take that. No, poorly, it, you know? that's well, that's what Pablo is always honest with me, too. I'm like, I walk up to him like, how's he doing, man? It's like, well, he got a little frustrated here. He got I a little did. frustrated yeah. here. But he goes, no, but then he then he's just then he was fine. He just let it get through his system and then he was fine and he got back after it, which is, I mean, that's cool because to me, that means you're learning, you're learning, you're teaching yourself. As as an instructor, you want to put yourself out of business. And the reason sure. being is because you want people to teach themselves. And that's how they learn. I'll give you a little tidbit. Michael will give you a little tidbit. Jeremy will give you a little tidbit. When Ben Morgan's with us, he'll give you a little tidbit. Uh, uh, but at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to improve it and just take those little tidbits of knowledge and go train on your own. And, and obviously dude, you're a smart guy too. So, you know, that, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to get everything today, but I can at least learn. So when I go out and do it again, I can train correctly. So the repetitions and the habitual movements come in and then eventually I get it. But like I said, dude, you're getting those little, those the, the thumbs, right. And you, you know, you kept messing them up. Every I, well, I did. I, but I did. you get it right. <laughs> but, it, but I said, you know, it's, you're, it's going to take 500 to a thousand rounds before yeah. you get because habitual. That's just how it is. But you Absolutely. handled it well, did you? And you were no, awesome. No, thank you. I, you were, I, you no, awesome. I had a great time and it was definitely like, I think some people thought this was my first time shooting. It was not, but it was my first time taking a class of that magnitude where, you have you have an AR-15 and you have a handgun and you're you know trying to unload the magazine from that and load the magazine to this. It was definitely more advanced than what I was used to, so so that could create some frustration. But you know what I wanted to ask you because as an observer, I had my own observations on this. But as you said, everybody from your team was great, and and I shouldn't forget the copper ticket winners. 
they oh, were yeah. great as they well. Were, weren't they? They just and a lot of those guys could shoot really well. I mean, yeah, the, the four guys and, and they all could shoot really well. And, and the gentleman from uh, Ignacio, Colorado. Sorry, yes. brother. Uh, Veruca Salt. That was who you were when I. He introduced himself as that to me. And that's because that's what <laughs> I called when, yeah. they, when they won. But he had that the 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 disorder that you can't extend your hands. He was like this because I came up to his target. I'm like, well, you're, you know, he wasn't all over the place. He wasn't off the paper, but he was bouncing around. I'm like, well, you know, you got to let's see your grip. And he goes, he puts his hands out to me and he can only do this. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. And in my mind, I'm not thinking, well, this guy can't, shouldn't be out. In my mind, I'm thinking, wow, he's still here. He can't grip the gun. His gun is probably a little too thick for his hands right now. But he's like, he's still managing it. And now to me, I'm thinking, okay, how do I teach this? I've never taught anybody that had that disorder. So now I'm going through my head. Okay, I need to improve. What do I need to do as an instructor to help him get a, be a better shot when I don't know what to tell him on this? And it was, I, I figured it out and we did. We, we figured it out together. But to me, it was an awesome time for me to learn. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm learning now again, another another piece of adversity that I've got to deal with here, just minor adversity, but how do I deal with it? And also make him feel like he's comfortable. And it was easy because he was a good shooter. So it was like, that ah, dude, yeah. let's just watch you. But that was tremendous. And he, he did, he hammered it on day two. He was awesome on day That's two. Awesome. I think he was, what do you look like? 60 years old, 65, maybe. <laughs> maybe a little younger. I don't want to, I don't want to overdo because he may have been younger, but, uh, but yeah, no, he was. And I think it shows for you, like as an instructor, there's never, um, you know, you're, you're always learning. There's never a time yeah, you're yeah. an expert on everything. Yeah. But the yeah, thing yeah. I wanted to ask you that, that I was saying before is uh, I'm wondering, other than your team, of course, the guys who you normally see, who impressed you the most as a shooter? Because there were some impressive shooters. I, I liked I like Jesse. I, I may have said his last name wrong. Finley, I, I, the young kid. Actually, I'm going to see. I'm going to bring him on as a battle line instructor is what oh, I wow. want to do. Um, he is a influencer, per se. He's a young guy, he, but he's a shooter. And I, I was impressed with him because, uh, you know, he set the example. He was out there running his ass off. He did every drill 110% and tremendous. And he was very, very good at everything that we wanted him to do. Uh, day two, he threw on his body armor and he threw on a helmet. He threw on one of his. And to me, that's impressive. You get, I mean, there's times for it. There's times not for it. But I told him, I said, hey, if you guys want to increase your suck factor, put on your body armor. Like I I put, I wore my body armor all day too. Uh, it impressed me because, um not just because he's a good shooter. Uh, I, I should say a great shooter. He is and not because he was technically and tactically sound, but because he, again, he gave 110%. And that to me impresses me, especially when you're an influencer and you don't have to, but he never acted like that. And his wife came out in day two and, you know, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I saw the picture. Yeah, Her name yeah. is Chris. And, and I do, uh, I do admire that. And I do admire, I do admire that he's a Christian. You know, we talked about that a bit. And I said, you know, I looked at his wife, I looked at him and I said, you guys got married in high school, didn't you? He goes, yeah, we did. We've been married since high school. And I was like, and you're still together. I said, that is rare in today's society. And he said, yeah. well, you know, he's like, well, God is good. God takes care. And that he's the guy with the cross life. tattoo, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he looked like, you know, he looked like Opie Cunningham. He looked like, he looked like <laughs> right. he was like 12, but you know, he's in his, I think he's upper twenties or thirties, but just his attitude, his faith, I knew he was very strong in his faith. The way he treated his wife, which was awesome. They looked like they were very happy. And being married from high school on, that's a pretty big deal. And also, he was a great shooter. I mean, they all did. Johnny and Sherm from, from uh, Guns Out were amazing, too. Those guys, man, they were just, just pushing each other, razzing each other. I mean, having fun. 
razzing each other. But when it was time to do business, they got on the line. They weren't safe and they did business and they put the effort into it. And it, it was amazing. TJ as well. TJ, TJ, uh, Kirkin over, over there in a uh, tactical shit. That guy, he 110% and he brought his son and his son was right there. So he set an example for his son why he's out there as far as, Hey, it doesn't matter how much money I have, or it doesn't matter how much I've been in guns or how much, how cool I think I am. And I don't believe TJ's like that. TJ's a friend, but it says, I'm still putting a hundred percent in, even when Tano's telling me to put a hundred percent in. And I wanted to remind him of that every time I saw him, I was like, dude, thank you. All those guys. I was like, thank you guys. Yeah. Because you guys didn't have to do that. You guys could have come out here and been pompous assholes and you weren't, you came out here and you gave it everything. And it was hot. Utah, it was hot and muggy out there. And it they, was, they, but the day I was there, at least the first day, I thought it was nice. But I mean, everybody, yeah, great attitude. Uh, the guy, I guess, who I would say impressed me the most, and I don't know enough, but just watching him, I, I thought Quentin Morgan was very impressive. Quint was, um, yeah, another even, great, even I, though, I, I, and, and yes, I think it was, tremendous. it was humbling to see that at the very end of the day when we were doing those drills, he had dropped his handgun. And I think everybody uh. was impressed by this guy. And it was like, okay, no matter how well trained you are, everybody can have a mess up like that that could be life-threatening so um murphy's a bitch and karma will get you every time and but what our courses do dude i know i'm pushing it we got to get but no we got to serious. yeah i know the the, uh, i what these courses do because we do have you and we moved around more on day two moving around and running from place to place it tests your equipment not just your ability is your equipment good do you need different equipment because of that last thing you want to do is be running down the rain running down the street and have your gun fall out of your holster so that's what the courses are for. So that's just to test yourself and to test your knowledge and your tactical abilities, but also to test your equipment. Hey, is this equipment good? And we won't mention what holster it is. I won't, I won't <laughs> throw you guys under the bus, but yeah, Clint was amazing because it, you're right. It, it did show that it, we all make mistakes. Stuff happens. And he, it was day one. And, and by day two, I mean, by day two, nobody even remembered it. We gave him a little bit of shit, but that's just because what we do, but really it was, he was doing so well regardless that nobody's like, oh, you're the dude that dropped the gun. And nobody even remembered it. At the I, I remembered it because he was so impressive and it actually just made me realize no matter how impressive you are, it could happen to you. It could happen to yeah. Pablo. It could happen to anyone who was yeah. out there. So yeah. that's why I know you guys constantly train. Um, with that, I've actually had a lot of people hitting me up on uh, Instagram lately who are just getting into Bubs Naturals and they're loving it. They're having great experiences with it. We got it right there. Chris right there, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm drinking it right now in my coffee, buddy. Drinking. You've both. been killing Thanks it with the video. Coffee. Yeah, and the MCT oh, oil powder. Awesome, so, awesome yeah, people are seeing great results. In, in terms of the collagen, if you want to know what collagen is, collagen is the most abundant protein in the human body. It is literally the glue that holds our bodies together. Collagen is a blend of highly functional amino acids found in all the body's connective tissues. So they upcycle cowhide. They don't blend ingredients or different sources it's all single sourced it's all organic and uh it's great it's great for workout recovery yeah um joint recovery and also just hair skin and nails as well as we should talk about their other great products their mct oil powder their mc their uh apple cider vinegar gummies which are great for body cleansing for appetite control um yeah just all great products really everything they do is great the fountain of youth formula and um, people are really loving it. A form- Fountain of Youth formula is great for getting your micronutrients in for the day, your yeah. vitamin C, uh, yeah. as opposed to, you know, taking something like juice with a ton of sugar. So, yeah, it's great stuff. And the longevity because of the ability of it to rebuild and and, and re I say reemphasize your joints. Uh, guys, I- 
keep taking it. You'll start to feel your joints getting better. You'll start to have less soreness in your joints, especially when you get older like me. I'm 51. When I run, the, that soreness and that, that little bit of pain that I would have in my joints. And I, I've, I've rode my body hard, guys. I've lived, burned the cow at both ends. But to have my joints now feel good, that makes me, you know, want to be out there running. And like I said, Ian, you saw it. I'm out there running with the guys. I don't yes. care how old you are. I'm, I'm leading by example because as a leader, that's what you should be. I'm not going to ask anybody out there to do what I'm not willing to do myself or, or not able to do myself. And, um, man, Bubs has been a big part of that. It's helped rebuild my body back to uh, back to the states that it was when I was contracting. And I, yep. I love it. And it tastes good. I, I think it tastes great in coffee. So that's, that's a plus. That is a definite plus. And being an inflammatory bowel disease haver with ulcerative colitis, it does not affect my IBD. It's actually helped immensely along. And I know they're not sponsoring it right now, but along with Ned, Ned has helped it immensely too with the uh, CBD oil. So uh, yeah. Bob's is tremendous guys. You're, you're, you're a knucklehead if you're not using this collagen protein, especially if you're older like me and you're still active. Absolutely. And, and you're supporting a great cause. You're supporting the Glenn Doherty yep. Memorial Foundation, not just a tiny portion, but 10% of all proceeds go to the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation, which is helping special operations families. So bubsnaturals.com. Sometimes people get the spelling wrong. They think it's bud. No, B-U-B, bubs with S, B-U-B-S, naturals.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE and you're going to get 20% off. You can get it other places, but bubsnaturals.com with the code BATTLELINE. You're going to get the best deal. We also have a brand new sponsor on board. I'm sure D, if you're watching video, is going to put up some of their great flags that they've done. Uh, they're doing custom flags for Chris and myself. Absolutely tremendous. Your American Flag Store. They make different wood flags. They, they're different than really any other. They are art. 100% handcrafted from start to finish, including 100% hand-painted artwork. Everything is painted with a brush, including each and every star. Wow. The flags are 100% customizable uh, with your name. You can do your service dates, your, your emblems, logos. You can even do your favorite Bible verse, battle cry, any of that. They'll do it right there for you. Their flags are made to order, which means your flag is made for you from raw wood to finished art. So they're doing a battle line podcast flag for me. They're doing an army ranger flag for Chris. And uh, yeah, I've, I've seen already what the battle line one looks like, and it's awesome. You'll see it up on the screen. Yeah. Um, plus here's the thing. If you guys are, you know, we talk about supporting great causes when you're buying from your American flag it's helping their fight to cancel, cancel culture. And I should get into what that means for them. So four years ago, their six year old boy asked, their parents to start a wood American flag business. And they did. It actually took the family on an adventure selling the flags all across the country. And the business did so well, it allowed them to move from California to a better life in Tennessee. So here's the thing. Right after they moved to Tennessee, they were canceled for making the Trump flags that they did. So Facebook, Shopify, PayPal, Google, they shut down the business. It really took um, yeah, a lot of heat on the business. And they were, they were in trouble for a while. And they're trying to basically recuperate with that now. But Newsmax and Fox News heard the story and it made national news. So they're getting lawyers involved. They're getting congressmen involved, not just in their own fight, but in the fight for small businesses who are wow. being screwed over, as, as we've seen plenty of by oh, the yeah. social media networks and big tech. It's it's ridiculous. Whatever side you're on, you know, social media should not play a part in and allowing you to to make a living or be successful. I mean, it, it should play a part positively. It should be yeah. a way for advertising. Hey, I, I remember back in the day when they didn't even charge you for posts back in the day. 
And they, that's when some of the companies that are now monstrous now, Black Rough Coffee is one of them that helped them immensely because they, they were able to get in there and boost posts. And But I, I am okay with that now. It's a business on social media side as well. But as far as being able to censor and not put certain businesses out there because you don't agree with them at the top brass levels, that's ridiculous, especially when it's a tremendous product like this. And like Trump or not, you know, me and Ian haven't been the biggest fans of Trump either, but we definitely are fans of small businesses. And we yeah. definitely are fans of people that put their heart and soul handcrafted. Who does that anymore? Handcrafted work. We are, and having we are the right extremely. to put out whatever flags yeah. that you want. I mean, look, we're not talking about anything like insanely offensive. We're yeah. Like, you got a Trump flag. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to sell that. So. The Trump flag. And I'm sure if they wanted you to specialize, I guarantee if he wanted you, wanted him to make you an Obama flag, he probably would. I bet you would. Um, I want a Ranger flag. Ian wants a battle line flag. He's making us some. And I got, Oh, I got to tell you something. We, I know we got to get to Robert, but I get to tell you something really quick about the flag. So he did another Ranger flag for someone and it had on the frame. It had, it, not from us. It had shooting motherfuckers in the face since this guy's birthday. That's a ranger. What, so, what do you think it comes from? It's a ranger. Here's the thing, thing though. So he said to me, he goes, "Do you think Chris would want this on the frame?" And here, you would. I. Uh, it would be. It's a ranger. If it's a ranger flag, that you think the hey he switches on and shoot you in the fucking face. You think that's a me thing? That is a ranger. No, thing. but I, here's that, what so I was yeah, thinking. I, I, I could have been wrong though, because I was just like. I don't know with Chris's like kids and his wife. And I feel yeah, like if grandma wife, yeah. and grandma Tonto come, they might, they might be like, I would love I, it, but you're right. I would love it. Thank you for being my Jiminy cricket on my shoulder, my conscience. And again, you are right. You are speaking sensibly. I am not, I am thinking rangerly. So yes, no, I would love it on there, but probably not. Yeah. I don't need my six year old coming in the room and Hey daddy, what do you shoot motherfucker in the face? Me? And then I'm in trouble with my yeah, so, yeah, I was thinking was more like Chris family man. You know, like you'll say it on the podcast, but I was like, does Chris really want it displayed in the living room? Nah, we're we're like, good. We're good. That we're was good. my feeling on it. So I, I was like, yeah, I would say X. You know, put, that. putting Sua Sponte on it, our credo, if they know it's Sua Sponte on it, the frame would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'd love that. That's cool. So yeah, check them out, guys. It's and once again, I mean, as you're supporting them, you're supporting a great cause, you're supporting a great family, small business. And they're really fighting this, not just for themselves, as I said, but for everybody affected by this. So go to youramericanflagstore.com to buy a flag. That's youramericanflagstore.com. And check them out on Instagram. You'll see all, all the flags. It's just at youramericanflagstore. And with that, we're going to get over to our guest. Robert W. Allen is joining us for the first time. And and I will say, I spoke to Robert yesterday. And and although you made it clear, you were like, look, I'm not special ops. I think you have a very impressive resume. And I think most of the audience will agree. Former CIA and State Department security advisor, current U.S. Army officer, Tulane professor. And, and Robert also has multiple combat deployments from all over and worked on the security detail with DynCorp for a guy that I think this audience is very familiar with and will hopefully learn a little bit more about from you. And that's ambassador Stevens when you worked with him in Jerusalem. So uh, with that, it's just, it's an honor to have you on and, and you're a guy that Chris honestly has been saying we've need to have on for a hundred plus episodes now. And sometimes it takes a while to get to everybody we want, but we're, we're glad to finally be doing it. Yeah. It's good to have you, have you on brother. I, I know well, it's, man, uh, it's been forever and a day, Tonto. It's good to see you, bro. Me too, man. Uh, well, as we get started, I, this and you relax. You don't have to be your 06, 07 ish, 06 P self. You can 
You can be spanky. Remember back in the day, but I've, people, <laughs> people, people, people. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. I, and for those that Rob and I go way back to Blackwater days, and it was when I was teaching the TDC course, and we needed somebody out there to run the uh, what they called the the Army of Blackwater course, the static CIA Juris, a CIA course. And we had Mike Haynes, uh, Sawbones was out there. Sawbones. And I, honestly, Robert was our guy. We brought him in and was like, okay, you're, we don't want to have anything to do with this static stuff. You teach it. And we really didn't show him anything. It was, it was kind of like, think back, we're like, man, we really fucked him over. Um, but, you know, he jumped in with both feet and, uh, and we gave him a lot of shit. Cause I remember when you first came in, you weren't the in shape guy you are now either. I mean, I'm not saying you're out of shape, but you weren't in, in the, I, you, 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 but what, what was awesome is that when I would go do my runs and do my workouts and I was, I, I was, I was in really good shape back then. He, he, I remember the first time, did you puke the first time we ran? I mean, you pushed your ass. You didn't stop. You kept Dude, going. We did, you that kept, one, we did that one model, that one GRS course. That's Dude, right. I got my ass whipped and I, and I knew I was doing something right because I even heard a lot of the seals complaining, bro, this sucks. This is hard. I was like, dude, I'm 40-something years old, and I just got my ass whipped. And then hearing the team guys complain about it, too, it's like, okay, maybe I am hanging in there. That's right. That's what we had. I had designed my own PT course. It was a PT that I would do every day with an obstacle course and then a two-mile run. And I thought that it was – I thought the actual TDC PT test was was easy. And I'm like, nah, this is – we're going to do it. And I I, the standards that they had to hit – were the lowest standard that I had. That was the standard that I could do at a minimum. I mean, that wasn't mm-hmm. the fastest. I was, was and but I do remember. I think back on it now. I forgot about that. It's like yeah, bro. that that was fucking hard. I was Dude, like, I Sorry. And the problem was is when I got to Utanto, I just come off Baghdad. I yep. was I was yep. running up and down Route Irish and everything else. <laughs> Basically, the fucking Route Irish racing team. And, dude, getting nuked right and left, man. I mean, we got our balls kicked in 0405. So I was just crushing the weights every chance I got. And, um, dude, I, I tell everybody, brother, I was mechanized infantry for a reason. Hey, y'all need to dismount. Hold up, brothers. No, it's like you're not right. Bradley's really comfortable right now. So IED magnet, but this Bradley's really comfortable right now. Oh, That's you mean put on, a, put on a ruck and walk. No, nah, bro. I, I, nah, bro. <laughs> I, I think people will like to hear like a lot of those stories of you and Chris. I, I think a good place to start though would just be, you know, how did you get involved in all of this contracting, military? Where, where's kind of like your origin story? Yeah, go ahead. Start from the beginning, bro. Sorry, Dude, we yeah, jumped and, a little and, bit. At no, the end of fine. the day, man, I, I'll, I'll preface it with this: God bless me. I got lucky, man. I got so freaking lucky. Um, at, at the end of the day, dude, I was the guy that put my hand in here. That bottom line up front. While that people are hemming and hawing and all that other stuff, I, I'm like, man, fuck it, let's do this. Let's, let's go. Salute and execute. Let's go. So that, that's where I got lucky, man. But I started out in the Marine Corps. I got into the police department. And then I went to um, Kosovo as a police mission. I was going back and forth doing investigations because I was investigating, like, police misconduct, capital cases, seeking death penalty. I mean, doing doing some high-profile stuff, doing some, some tough work, man. And, and it was getting beat up along the way because of – everything that was going on at the time with the political realm and the law enforcement stuff and everything else. And, and we were arresting cops, dude. I mean, that that's to me, there's nothing more disgusting than a dirty police officer. I, I carry that thought with me to this day because you are a disgrace to your badge. If you do something to dishonor it, because you're dishonoring 800,000 police officers out there right now. And, and we already got enough shit that we're dealing with, but I digress a little bit, but I, I'd left the police department and then I saw something on um, DynCorp's website. And this is leading up on how I got involved with DynCorp. And um, it said police officers making one hundred and forty five thousand dollars a year. 
Okay, back in the 90s, my first question is, how in the fuck does a policeman make $100,000 a year legally? So I, I started looking into it, man, and, and the DynCor guys called me up and says, hey, Rob, you got a ton of experience. We'd like to bring you over to the Balkans and get involved with the police mission. So I went to Kosovo and um, lived with the Serbs. I mean, got, got a good rapport with the Serbs, lived, worked in Pristina, uh, and investigated some high-profile cases, some murder political officials and things of that nature, and really had a great time there. I got in the mission. I came back home, and that's when I finished college. I went to OCS, uh, doing all the good stuff, getting out. And a bro called me one day, and this is getting into Ambassador Stevens when I started doing the PSD work. I had a great bro call me up one day. He goes, hey, man, you were with DynCorp. I said, yeah. He goes, call this dude up. He goes, put in your resume. I said, dude, DynCorp's got my resume. I'm not, well, whatever. He goes, no, bro, call this dude. Yeah. And Chris, this name's going to ring a bell to you, Bob Casper. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's been a long. Oh, is he still alive? Is he still? No, nah, bro, he passed away. Man. Still, can't, yeah, that's a long time. I keep forgetting we're older than dirt. I mean, that's like almost twenty over. Almost it is over twenty years ago, bro. That's been, going wow. back to yeah, yeah. This is twenty twenty two, dude. We're yeah, yeah. twenty years ago. That was early two, early two or nineties actually. Was, Late nineties. We're all starting to get the tattoo on the shoulder, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, it was phenomenal. And, and then Bob, um, I sent Bob my resume. I was like, and the same thing I told him because I preface a lot of stuff like. Dude, I'm not a SOCOM dude. And Tonto used to tell me a hard time. He goes, bro, but you're bringing shit to the table. He goes, get, get out of that mindset. You, everybody's bringing something to the table. Yeah. And I said, fuck it, man. All right. I sent him the resume and everything else. And, and Bob called me up. He goes, hey, Rob, you, you police department, SWAT, felony warrants, all the stuff you've done, your mission in Kosovo, you're doing uh, close protection and everything else. And that's where the judges who were obviously getting, getting shots taken out of him. I said, yeah, sir. I said, what can you do? He goes, have you ever heard of advance work doing PSD? I was like, no, I, I, dude, I was totally oblivious. I mean, I've never done anything. And tell everyone out there what the, what advanced work is. I know what it is. Ian knows, I think, from being around us. But a little kind of go but... into what the advanced, what an advanced detail or an advanced team would do. And, and Bob told me, he goes, what I need you to do is I need you to be the guy that's going in with another person. You go to a venue before the ambassador gets there, before before the ambassador or anybody else. Or, or uh, in this case, it was Chris Stevenson before those guys got there. So he goes, what I need you to do is show up. He goes, you walk around, you look at the building, you, you get an idea where your safe rooms are, you get an idea where the drop-offs will be, the safest point. Uh, you do your route recons, you make sure there's no obstacles in the road, nothing that can make things sure. that can go bang or boom or anything like that. And he goes, you report it back to the agent in charge or the shift lead. He goes, then you'll stay by there. Once they drop it off, you guys will come in, you'll stay for a little bit, you'll bounce out, and you'll go to the next venue. So that's like, okay. he goes, but what I really need from you, Rob, he goes, I need somebody that can talk to people. He goes, I've got some great knuckle draggers that can break things and stack bodies with the best of them. He goes, but I need that, that, that law enforcement mindset because I told Bob, and I think you'll appreciate this, Tonto, because I told Bob, I said, man, my favorite philosophy is any policeman can talk himself into a fight. Good cop can talk himself out of one. Well, that's what you want to do. You don't want to start shit you know, or have a bad set up a bad precedent before the team actually gets here. Gets here. I think it's the worst thing an advanced guy could do is be just very aggressive or very mm -hmm. abrasive because now you're if if they weren't going to attack or they were on the fence of thinking to attack you. If you're abrasive, well, now they're going to attack you. And if you're oh. not, you're like, well, hey, maybe these guys aren't too bad. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they're my the same as when i say they the terrorists the bad guys mindset mm -hmm. unless you're just way way off and we're going to kill you regardless there are some that are teetering oh. as ah, this is this what or and also if you, i think it shows excuse confidence and excuse mm -hmm. control so you're like well, maybe this isn't the team we want to hit let's team oh, let's hit the team that's all discombobulated and the advanced guy is the one that sets that precedent 
And oh, yeah, because you're literally the face. You're the first yeah. person showing up. You're the face. And I look at it from the law enforcement standpoint of being on the streets. I mean, you can get yourself killed. I mean, acting <laughs> stupid and talking the game and everything else. But you can get yourself killed quick. Now, you have to be prepared to escalate, but you, you got to be ready, man. But And again, going back to the advanced work, it's and Bob told me what was going on. He goes, hey, I want you to come up to Crucible. And we want to put you through, put you through some training up there. And it, you wouldn't laugh, babe. Chris may remember this. My claim to fame was I could shoot, and uh, between rifles and pistols. And I used to tease Tonto all the time about that shit. Is I was able to shoot, and, and I made my bones. A great guy named George Singulera signed off on me, and, and just just had great people lobbying for me. Had some great people standing behind me. He goes, hey man, we like what we're seeing. Pascal Budge. He goes, bro, you're on a plane. I said, fuck, I'm going home already? He goes, no, dumbass. He goes, you're going to Jerusalem. <laughs> so, I'm like, all right, man, let's go. And That's got awesome. I'm, I'm, well, I was saying, I'm excited to hear about this and, and Ambassador Stevens. But one thing I wanted to say to what you said earlier when you said Chris said to you, you know, we all bring something to the table. You got to get out of that mindset. It sounds very much like the Chris that I know. And, and I think that positive mindset is important. Chris, you might remember this. Like, it reminds me of we had um james powell on the show who was former cia and was a marine and he said that when he was brought on to the cia he looked very confused at where he was and and a woman who was like in charge there said to him you look like you know you look like you're confused on why you're here and he said yeah there's all these like navy seals here there's people who've gone to harvard i don't know why i'm here i'm just a marine and she's basically said the same thing you got to get out of that mindset you know if you're here you're here for a reason and that changed his mindset and i think chris probably did that to you it sounds like um so i mean I, I just think it says a lot about who you are because i i always think you're about uplifting people and if they're the right people for the job it doesn't doesn't matter necessarily. the pedigree pedigree in the background doesn't matter you know the reason i said that to you first of all you were there for a reason and and it was you come in and but you're an instructor and if you don't act the part of at least having some confidence in yourself seals and rangers and unit guys and sf they're going to eat you alive and like oh yeah that, you know that's was my thing it's like hey you don't excuse, you don't be an arrogant son of a bitch because they can mm. i said they we can sense that too when you're faking mm. the fight and i would say don't fake the fuck either don't fake mm. it but just yeah. be who you are you're here for a reason and, and i'm sure you're doing that with your junior officers as well it's like excuse, oh, absolutely. excuse confidence not arrogance confidence mm. be sure of yourself and you're here for a reason but and also i remember saying that to him um at least maybe not in this exact words but you know don't tell somebody you're special ops either be up front hey i'm not i'm an army guy this is what i do if you lose mm-hmm. guys respect because of that you don't fuck them you're being honest oh, yeah. but the majority of the guys you you didn't and and you did well and of course we had a successful uh oga pro- i thought we had a successful oga training program dude I mean, we had a phenomenal did. program I, I saw some great people and, and people like you, Tonto, and a lot of other people, man, who I came to admire and respect, I mean, throughout my Thank career. You. I mean, I, I can literally say, like, when, when I got to Jerusalem, I mean, seeing one of the team members he had was literally a founding member of Delta and on Desert One in the desert in Iran. I mean, wow. th- these guys are rock stars in the game. And I always told Tonto and I told Saul Mons and a few other guys, bro, I even tell some of the cadre students, your reputation is going to beat you quicker than your resume. Yeah. And I had some good people lobbying for me. Like, hey, he's solid. He does his job. He keeps his fucking mouth shut. He does what he's supposed to do. If it comes down to, hey, we got to go clean weapons, we got to go clean weapons. Hey, go check out a range. Go check out a range. Hey, we're going to go PT, and I'm fixing to kick you in the balls. Okay, brother, let's do this. So fuck it, man. I mean, that, that's the way I look at it, dude. And, again, it's always 
be that guy to put your hand in the air. I, I think it, I, I think that's an example for everybody out there. You youngsters out there know that hard work pays off. I mean, mm-hmm. I, when I first met Rob, who'd know that he'd be up in the upper echelons of, I mean, I, I, it doesn't surprise me, but did I think I'd be talking to him and he's, he's going to, what are you, what you're promoting to? Are you promoting to six, dude? Are no, you promoting I'm, promoting, to- I'm, I'm DA select Lieutenant Colonel right now. I'm just waiting so, yeah. for the paperwork. I, I mean, but because of what he just said, if I need to clean weapons, I'm cleaning weapons. If I need to go check out a range, I need to go check out a range. If I need to get in the car and we need to go to Jerusalem and I need to protect one of the highest ranking ambassadors in the world, I'm going to do that. It, mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's, it's how the youth need to see that hard work does pay off and that you don't get put in at the upper levels. You start at the ground level. And oh, hell yeah, it's, dude. it goes back to me seeing Rob puking after us. That's, that was the, I mean, if anything was a ground level, that was a ground level coming in, shut up. I don't care who you are. Get your PT clothes on. Here's your standard. Go, go. And, and he did it. And then he puked at the end, but towards the end, of the, towards the end of training, dude, you, you're running faster than the majority of the guys are. Cause you put, oh, the yeah, I mean, he'd go run it on his own. Like that was awesome. And go ahead. Go ahead, like, go ahead. Man. Cause, and again, Tonto, I mean, I look at a lot of the people in the program and I, again, bro, well, you got 10% assholes in the organization, but I had some great dudes helping me along the way. And, and, yeah. uh, and I, I made some great friends that are SEALs that I'll call friends to this day. Uh, Rangers, I mean, freaking SF, a couple Delta guys and everything else that, that I can pick up a phone and just call them bullshit with them. I mean, uh, just, just some great, great people. Um, and, and then when I was in Israel, man, I mean, meeting, meeting CAD guys and Delta guys, I mean, I, I, I was almost a fanboy, like talking to Keith and some of the guys like you're on desert one. You're an Iranian fucking desert. Dude, are you serious? I mean, it was like th- that was to me, that was my rock star. That was that was my fucking That's guy cool. right there. And then talking to these dudes, man, I mean, and you could always see the professionalism come out, especially when it came to shooting. Like when it comes to shooting, I'll, I'll put the, the Delta guys oh, and, and they, they check the box, dude. They, they, and learning to shoot a Huh? They shoot. They shoot a ton. I mean, who? You, they're shooting all the time. That's what they're. Oh, without a doubt, they are the. Man. They are the best of the best. They are. By I far. mean, Dave and Keith and everything else. I mean, when it came to room injuries and walking and shooting and movement shooting and all the other stuff. I mean, watching these guys operate, and then they'd say, "Hey, Rob, why don't you? Why don't you pull the trigger on this step? Why don't you turn here? Why don't you pull your weapon in?" I mean, just all those little things help me become to use a. <laughs> to use a, T, a CDC or what is it? Uh, Dieter. Uh, effective and efficient. Become there a lot more effective and efficient. And it, that that helped. I mean, come from drawing and presenting a pistol. I mean, just little things, swiping your hands back, presenting and and watching you guys, I mean, do the TDC course. Okay, pulling triggers, nice. You gotta present. Get that fucking pistol out there and present. It, you can pull a trigger all day long in your holster. It's not gonna do you any fucking right. good. It's probably gonna hurt, but present. Exactly. And what he's talking about too, which I'm hearing from you is is your thinking. That was that's the biggest tell guys. Think all day. Think. Address, think. You got to address and then think. And and mm-hmm. they, they're not, they're not, you know. And that's that's the that's the what we had out in Fort Scott this weekend as well with all the mentors out there. Is like, I know you guys are good shooters. Now I want you to stop focusing on this and start thinking of other different other things around your situational mm-hmm. awareness. That's what I got out of of working with guys that were a lot better than me. That were mm-hmm. a lot better rangers. You know, working with white soft guys. Mike Haynes was a tremendous instructor for me. Even he was tremendous. Sawbones was awesome, but but it was the thinking. It was the, it was this, the, the gunfight is just part of it. You got to be three steps ahead of where that person's going to be to really win the fight because Bobo he was a big advocate of instinctive shooting. That's where I learned a lot from him. And, and he, yeah, he, he liked it. I call it something different now. Cause I don't, I'll tell him that I don't believe it is. I did call it instinctive too, but like back in the day, but like guys, 
I'm thinking to myself, instincts, your instincts don't think you're, you're still thinking to me, you're mm -hmm. always thinking. So, but it's just a, it's just a, a difference of words. Mm -hmm. And, but that's what I called it back then. And that's how oh, I, yeah. but, but, hey, I mean, again, training progresses, Tonto, you know that as well as I do, yeah. bro. We're, yeah. we, we should constantly as an individual, as a person be learning and growing because you ever come stagnant. That's when you start fucking yourself because you, you get the mindset. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. I mean, for me, it was that secret. It took me forever to decide to like that. And then once I walked into it, it's just like, I mean, it was just there. I mean, it's like the, the, the trumpets blared, the clouds parted, the sunshine. And it's like, okay, I get it. Okay. I see what's happening. And that was it, dude. And, and that's it just takes that moment of epiphany. But, but what you have with you is because you've learned all different types. And so I tell guys, pick one that you like. I don't think one's better than the other. I think one works for people on the personal level, but learn them all, learn them all, throw everything in your kit bag, learn everything that you can because different situations you're going to need to do different tactics or you're going to need to think differently. Mm -hmm. And by you learning, I, I didn't like the C grip either. I know how to do it very well. Still not my favorite, but I know how to do it because I practiced it, but mm -hmm. it's like, man, I can still do it. Don't, don't ever not learn something. Even if you may only use it once, you may need it that one time. Mm -hmm. And, and, yeah, well, and I, got, I got a little T-Rex arm. So everything for me is always trying to be close in. <laughs> no, dude, come on. You're like John McCain, but with integrity. It's all right. I was just saying, that's who you are. That's like, but that, I, I forgot about that shit. I told Sorry, you, bro, that's that was always like sawbones because it was always a treat to find somebody shorter than I was. That was a sawbones little guy, but I do remember the T-Rex thing because I actually, he said that too. He's like, who the fuck are Who's this little guy? Looked like fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex coming, and I just busted laughing. I forgot he said that, man. So did you remember what was that? Fifteen years? It was more than that. Bro. It was. It, it was no. It was sixteen years ago. It was it like was a while, man. I mean, it, it was, was a clip. Because I laughed one day. You were doing something that you were doing CQD or something weird like that, and I hit you up. I said, that, "Bro, make sure you pump your step." And <laughs> that's right. That's right. I was going through forging. I was going through the uh, Dieter forging course to become a level one Dieter instructor. That stuff. That was a. That's a. That's that's a story within itself, dude. That was fucking use the force with it. Basically, you're fighting with a bag over your head for three days. <laughs> I remember got kicked in the shin. So you you stand there to get kicked as hard as they can kick you. And Brady was kicking the shit out of me. Darren Miller was kicking it. And mm -hmm. Chris Chris uh my little boy Chris I can't I remember his name. A um, little Marine buddy of mine that worked on the State Department contract. Toy. But that's what you do. They said He'd say, just stand there. Okay, can you take these kicks? And I remember coming back with little aliens all over my shins because people – I never understood that as far as it just sucked. And then just right. having sensory deprivation because you have a bag over your head. You're trying to fight people with a bag over your head. It's like, what is this? Is this Return of the Jedi shit? What are we doing here? But I still enjoy you know, it. I and I remember that. I, I can honestly say I did like, I like the hooded box where, because I did that. Yeah. About, about getting some of that incorporated because some of our police departments, because you'll go from a domestic I issue do like to an armed robbery, to a freaking shooting in progress, to getting a fucking cat out of a tree. I mean, it could be any number of things. And we would set up those scenarios. So you'd be standing there, box, the, the hood comes up, and you just got a guy standing in front of you talking to you. It's just the president. It, that is good no training. Threat, no issue. It, Hood comes it up. Is. You got a guy pointing a gun at you. They just walked out of a bank. You pull the head up and you, you got a guy grab you because you're fixing to arrest his wife or something like that for domestic. I mean, yep. dude, there, that was some good training scenarios that, and, uh, that we used. And I don't want to say I stole Dieter's idea, but they're pretty good things that we came up with that we used that. Well, this sounds pretty similar well, I, yeah, to I, um, I, I, 
No, I, I was just going to say that, that, right, that ahead, scenario sounds pretty similar to guys I've interviewed with Navy SEALs. They have the red circle. That's apparently the same thing they do. Well, that, that's that's uh, that's that's where it was. Dieter, Dieter and the CQD stuff was a SEAL thing. That's where he got. He used to he, they embedded him with the SEALs and the SEALs. That's the ones that took the big that really that really grasped on. Not all the teams, not all the SEAL teams, guys. You guys know better than I do. But Dev grew and, and some of the uh, some of the door kicking teams, the ones that were really kick, were gravitated towards the Dieter stuff, CQD. Mm-hmm. And it, I agree with Robert. I and mean, there was some stuff that was wazoo that I didn't agree with. But the mindset, the always thinking, the hooded box and still no, I know a lot of people have tried to copy it. Nobody still does it as well as Dieter. If you want to really get course. into the hooded box, you got to go to, to Easton there. Uh, Eastern Maryland and go through Dieter's course. I would still highly recommend everybody to go through at least the level one Dieter course because it does prepare you and that hooded box. Yeah. I, what do you do? The bo- the guys in front, you're in a dark room. You can't hear anything. You got a hood over your head and all of a sudden it pops up and you want to draw a gun. And we, remember, we've seen guys do that. There's a guy just sticking his hand out, ready to shake your hand and a guy draws mm-hmm. and shoots him. It's yep. great training because it makes you think, but, uh, Man, yeah, we could do a whole episode just on the, the Dieter experience because it was a tremendous experience. I, remember, oh, I, yeah, I, I had a fun I mean, time I, at the course. I remember getting my ass whipped. <laughs> Big J Suits hit me one time, dude. <laughs> J Suits. Oh, I felt my God. knees come out from underneath me. I'm like, you motherfucker. I told Jason, bro, I would shoot you. There's no fighting. There's no argument. I would no. shoot you. Bottom line. And if you're talking about a, a total misconception of a guy. You get around Jay, you get a couple beers in him. He's probably one of the funniest people you could ever run across, dude. And just... It, but, dude, you want to talk about an animal, you grab him, it's like grabbing a piece of steel. I mean, he's that, a big, that, strong yeah, guy. Exactly. And he was an Air Force combat controller. Hey, man, was, he, great, was, he, was he that or a PJ, yeah. bro? Uh, I want to say it was a CCT because we talked about oh. cast missions all the time. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could have forgotten yeah, him. I, he might have been. But I know he was Air Force Special Ops. And and mm-hmm. he was taking HGH before HGH was cool. That's why he was so fucking big. <laughs> Sorry, Jay, dude. I still love you, man. I love you, but you were. I, you Come on. You didn't hide it. Dude was on. That's my boy, bro. I, I got nothing but love for him. But Jay was Jay was a great operator. And as a guy, regardless of how he was, I still go. I go to war back with him and back with him again. I go to Hell's Gates with him again. And it, But that's that's the people that you meet. At, and that was the Blackwater days. That was the good old days at Blackwater. The 03, 04, 05 days where you're just meeting people and having fun and and Eric was sending us to courses all over the world to get cross trained in and coming back and teaching it. And it, it, was, it was that was a great experience, man. I don't, I don't think you'll ever have anything on the private military side like that ever, ever again. The government will make sure we never have anything like that again. But I believe, you know, and, and Eric, Eric lost his mind a bit. I do. Bliss. But you don't say good things about China and not have something going on up there in your oh, head. Without a doubt, um, uh, but uh, but at that time, though. Uh, and I think he really is a good person deep down. I really do think Mr. Prince is, mm-hmm. Eric is. But during that time, man, he was doing it right. I don't care what people said. We were doing great things Dude, there. He Black was Water. taking care of his people. I saw him right. I, remember PJ? He was a bad boy. Yeah. He took yeah. a dish around in the fucking belt. Yeah. And how he, how he lived, it is beyond me. I, I saw Eric Prince write him out a five-figure check on the spot. And it was because it was a it was a Blackwater op. And it was it tremendous. Was right hey, I, I, I want to get into your experiences, really, because of our connection with Ambassador Stevens. And I don't know yeah. how much it is in advance. You probably didn't have a ton of dealings with him. But if you did and, and what you saw from I saw, honestly, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of, of being in the agency. He was State Department. 
we didn't have a lot of interpersonal connection. I didn't want to. I didn't give two shits. State Department. I gave yeah. two shits about who he was. But to me, all I saw was a good man with integrity. I don't know what you saw over there in his he, he, Dude, bottom line of front, Tonto, he was a man of honor. I, I got nothing. Granted, uh, we all know that State Department's not the knuckle draggers like we all come to be and everything else. And, and I respect their mission. I respect what DOS was doing at the time because we were there during the second intifada trying to trying to get the roadmap to peace, yeah, the roadmap to peace mission done. And, and they were killing people right and left, dude. I mean, we, we lost yeah. three of our bros, uh, Mark Parsons, Brian Branchizio, and John Lind, uh, just past the Ares checkpoint in of 2003. With a, was that uh, was that the was that the platter charts? Was that the mine? Yeah. The hit because Oscar Hinojosa, Jinx, yeah, Jinx walked away from it. Jinx was a GRS guy. Another tremendous GRS operator, mm -hmm. but he was part of that. He actually he survived that. That, that they got hit with a he, he and 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 yeah. But I mean, going back to Ambassador Stevens, I mean, I, everybody had their complaints and bitches and all that other stuff. And I tried to look at a holistic view. And the one thing I'll say that I know is my dealings with Ambassador Stevenson. I was actually on his advanced team, so I got to chat with him a little bit here and there. Okay. And um, he he was a good dude. He as a whole, I, I on what he was accomplished and i respected the mission um the, the one thing and this is going to get into your lane so if you tell me i'm right wrong or in between or just crazy let me know um when i read the book saw the movie and all the research mm -hmm. i've done all the people that i talked to was that ambassador stevens was getting on the phone requesting extra security uh, he he actually was requesting his team back he had a when you watch the movie if you do watch 13 hours and it is very accurate it is i mean there's some sensationalism as far as rpgs and 40 millimeters they don't you don't see vapor trails and all that people you got to see that if you really want to see what it's like in war you will walk out with tourettes because all you'll see is explosions everywhere but as far, as far as him uh he had that jock team where it says joint special operations team jsoc team repositioning to forward base that was his actual security team that he had in Tripoli 24-7. They were part of the 10th Special Forces Group. They were the CIA, they were the SIF team, commanders of the insurance force. And for some reason, when he came to Tripoli, you'd have to ask Hillary, ask Patrick Kennedy, ask Charlene Lamb, ask Petraeus, ask our chief. I don't know why. Ask the chief of station there in the agency. They pulled that team before he came to Benghazi. That's why all of us were like... Yeah, when when we heard that he was coming to Benghazi and we're like, well, he's got his own security detail. You know, the movie, I saw us like, he's got his own security detail. Why the fuck does he need us? Because I worked in Tripoli. I knew those guys and they were pipe hitters. The SIF team, when you're in special forces and you have, you're on a SIF team, you are top level door kick and direct action. You are, you've, you've reached a, a certain level to be in a, on an OG, uh, ODA. And if you're on a SIF team and they said, no, they pulled the SIF team. And to my mind, I'll, Rob, I'll be honest with you. I, in my mind, I was well, fucking State Department, <laughs> fucking shit up again. Yeah, no, and that's, that's what I looked at because when when they when I read the part about him requesting extra security, the first thing I thought, Tonto, the man's not scary. He no. he's he's done no. his time in the trenches. He's a Foreign Service officer. He knows when shit's about to go sideways. And, he, everything and, he, else. and he speaks. He's fluent, completely fluent Arabic. Mm -hmm. he's, he knows what people are saying behind his back. He always yeah. yeah go ahead. Yeah. So when he requested security, I was like, okay, that right there. Brother, I'm not the best intel analyst out there, but yeah, I'd call that a fucking indicator. Okay, whenever the the the, the ambassador's requesting extra security, something's on his mind because these guys don't act scarier. They don't jump for no reason. Something not the foreign service officers. No, not guys that have come from the foreign service officer and actually have have done the done the the homework enough that now they've they've speak the language. When I've met those kind of diplomats that actually have him have become so immersed in the job, which is a good thing. We need those kind of guys mm -hmm. that they actually. Speak 
speak language. They want to be out there shaking hands because they know that's what it is. That's the diplomatic part of it. Yeah. And he was requesting extra security. Well, he was requesting his security team back. He's like, give me my guys back. And mm -hmm. DOD said, yes, actually department of defense says, yeah, we'll give them back to you. And state department stopped it. So whatever you want to say about, and I don't, I, I don't give a shit left, right, Democrat, Republican, I, state department stopped. State, why? We will never know until somebody gets the balls to stand up and say, this is why I have my ideas. But I'm glad you asked that because you saw the same thing I saw in Bashar Stevens. He, 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 loved, he loved the Middle East. He really did. I think he really was a, a patriot in the fact that he really did feel like we could, we could help feel, fix a lot of those problems there. But you know, I go, you, you, and you know as good as I do that a dictator is a dictator for a reason. And overthrowing oh, dictators, that doesn't help. I think I, hopefully we've learned that by now. And but, uh, but we haven't. <laughs> But we have clearly what's your mindset? I mean, you spent more time just in Israel. What's your what's your opinion on that? Getting away a little bit from Ambassador Stevens, but you have more time within DOD and State Department than I do. So without getting yourself in trouble, because I want you to make your own six, dude. I don't want to <laughs> but um uh, you know what's your what's your uh, what's your what's your opinion on, on that? I mean, what I I don't think we should ever go nation build ever again. I don't think that's it. When somebody attacks us, we go kill them. We we hammer the shit out of them, and then we say, okay, don't touch us anymore. We're going back home. Here's your country back. But what's your opinion yeah. on that? Truthfully, Tom, I got to be a little bit cautious on that one because I, I do public <laughs> affairs, civil affairs for the military. <laughs> I'll just say that right. <laughs> the military, we're a sledgehammer. And that's, that's what we need to be. We need to be a sledgehammer. And I, I, I see some of this stuff, and I understand, um, and uh, I'm going to kind of segue into something, the February 17th sure. guys or the guys that were in your – Yeah. Let's get yeah, into that. Yeah. Always letting somebody else take over. That's a double-edged sword. Yeah. I think there's yeah. times where we need to let these guys take over and do their thing. And, and, and like when I was in Iraq last time, the, the Kurds were doing phenomenal. I mean – And they are awesome. Dude, They're to me the best right, I'll tell you right now, Tonto, the Kurds are the proverbial – Fuck around and come up to reveal and find out. They do I not tolerate shit from nobody. But, but they also and set the example. The Kurds, to me, set the example of how different ethnicities and religions can coexist together. Because mm -hmm. uh, you have the Christians there. You have the the uh, Yazidis around. I know yeah. the, I know mm -hmm. there are caste systems. They're just like uh, people think we have discrimination here or caste. Go overseas. You have no idea. But still they make it they make it work because you can have how can you you have an ice skating rink downtown at a mall in Erbil. why just you know 30 miles 60 miles down the road towards kirkuk you've got the peshmerga fighting back fucking ice oh, yeah. dude it's, i, I tell you saying is tonto i was like i feel safer or felt safer walking around Erbil than i do as a fucking policeman in new orleans sometimes <laughs> you did you did barzani nobody's good barzani rules hey you barzani's the man and talibani's mm -hmm. the man in Suleimania and and you do. You, you, the, the crime is there, the petty crime there. But even them, they're, they're not dumb enough when they see something that doesn't look heard. They, they know. There, there's enough agents and security from every walk of life going around Kurdistan that, that they know, like, dude, let's leave them alone. Where, you know, in Lahore, they had to learn out the hard way with uh, when when one of our GRS guys, try, they tried to rob him. When they tried to rob uh, Tombstone. Tombstone. Zip them up. 
That was Rob was there. Rob actually, we put Tombstone through GRS training. Yeah, Tombstone was one of our TDC guys. I was giving him shit, and I was giving him shit. I was like, bro, you did get ass raped in a Pakistani prison, did you? I mean, I was fucking with him back. I mean, we can go that route. That's an SF thing. No, I'm kidding, guys. I am just giving you long tagger shit. I'm just kidding. I love all y'all. And Tombstone, that dude could shoot, man. I mean, I, well, if you, that, that's the wrong guy you want to try to rob that has a pistol. I just, yeah, that's, that's another one. Call to fuck around and find out. Um, hey, I, I want to make sure that, that we hit on this because, I mean, we we touched on the Ambassador Steven stuff in Jerusalem. But I think for this audience, I, I said it during the intro with Chris, like there's members of this audience who are truly like Benghazi historians. They love learning about every single person that was there. There's a guy who follows us on Twitter at Benghazi Notes, and he he'll do the whole timeline of what happened on what day at what time. And, and these guys just. I mean, for Chris, it's different because you were there, but I think people are fascinated with what went down and the personalities the same way that they are with the Kennedy assassination or what happened at Ruby Ridge or what happened at Waco, Texas. So I'm just wondering, do you have any story about Ambassador Stevens that you think this audience would get something out of? Uh, again, at the end of the day, he he was an honorable man. He was a man. He, he was a man of character. He believed in what he was doing. And again, the the main thing is that he wasn't scary. I mean, that, that he would not jump. I mean, that's just not his thing. Um, now, we'll make you laugh. I got my ass chewed out by him one time because I was doing advance work, and we we I did the site survey and everything else, and I just didn't like where we were at. And I said, look, they got an underground garage. I said, I feel more comfortable in the garage than I do anywhere else because that gets us out of the view. So he came down there. And as he was coming up, I was doing my whole hold my arm out for the vehicle to arrive and everything else. And hey, sir, come with me, please. And as I was holding my arm out, two Palestinians approached me. So they were walking up to the motorcade. Tonto's eyebrows raising. I mean, we all see what's going on. My eyebrows. I started puppy dog ears come up and I started looking at it, feel the hair on the neck. And I walk up and I get between them and the motorcade because I knocked on the window. I told the agent in charge, eyes, I got these guys. I walked up and got between these guys and the ambassador. The agent started, started walking him in. So he walked him inside and I keep doing, blade my body, staying between those two guys and the ambassador. And um, come to find out that the ambassador, or Ambassador Stevenson, caught me at, back at um, the consulate general's office. He goes, hey, man, if they want to walk up to me, you, you got you to gotta let them go. And I was like, well, sir, I said, I hope you understand from my standpoint what we're doing and what's going on. And he goes, yeah, I understand. He goes, but also keep in mind what I'm doing here. I said, sir, I totally understand. So I went and talked to my detail leader, another great guy. He goes, hey, at the end of the day, the ambassador's the boss. I said, yeah. yeah. I mean, but you, made, you made a good call because at the end of the day, you don't want another coast is what we had. At, oh. at, Chap- at, at Chapman with our GRS guys. And for anybody that don't, if you want, if you don't want to know or read about what happened to Coast, the GRS guys, watch Zero Dark 30 and watch the beginning of it. That's GRS. And that was the chief telling the security guys to not do their security protocols because he didn't want to offend the double, which turned out to be a double agent, blew himself up, killed. Uh, two GR, uh, killed two GRS guys, killed several CIA officers. Well, they, you know, they so. tried to hang that on um, on the static guys. Yeah, yeah, I, and that was horseshit. Yep. And, yeah, and I, you know I, what? I, I also think <clears throat> being in Israel too, and and I I went to Israel back in '04. Uh, I think you know I just mentioned earlier, just as a topic of of the people are fascinated by the Kennedy assassination. I think in America the attitude is that could never happen today. It was so long ago. But I think fresher in the minds of people in Israel was the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin, which was just in the 90s. And I know he was like such a, you know, 
so, such a big figure there. And when I was in Israel, I got to see, you know, where he was assassinated mm-hmm. by, you know, Israeli extremists. And, and I think that probably is on your mind, too, of, uh, of yeah, you, you could be shot and killed at any time. It's my responsibility. Yeah. And the, the tough part is that back then, Arafat was still alive. Yeah. So there, there was a lot of tension in the air. I mean, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I was more worried about getting clipped by an Israeli than I was a Palestinian. Really? I mean, these guys were on edge. I mean, I, I would look up and every once in a while, I mean, I see the glint off a scope on a rifle. I mean, it's like, it, you know, as well as I do. I mean, that's a lonely feeling in the world. And yeah, you yeah. see it coming from towers and everything else. And then going back to when, when the when the brothers got killed, Cheese, uh, uh, Mark, and John, they got clipped. Uh, it was like, <laughs> come to find out, the Israelis had did a raid in the area utilizing black fucking Suburbans. And, so and they were targeting like, Come yeah. on, guys. I mean, at least tell us. But nobody was telling us what was going on. Well, and so we was down there, and that was it. I mean, it's like now whether I'm not going to say correlation proves causation or anything like that, but it's enough to raise an eyebrow. Well, it does. The correlation does cause causation, or at least correlation causes you to be a big fucking target. Because I, th- I just tell people they're not the terrorists are not dumb. Our enemies are not dumb. What would we do if we said, well, what did they look like when they came in? Well, and we have the ability, and also the. Uh, the, the the way to desensitize ourselves to everything that you know we're just going to kill everything well what would we do we're going to target something that looks similar to what targeted us mm-hmm. probably not going to be the same people maybe but regardless we're going to kill somebody and oh, yeah. maybe we get the same person I, it, but that was you know back then and you know maybe go into it a little bit back then even when we came in in, in the 2000s state department the, the the ability to pass on information was not good no, Intel was not, we, we, didn't we have never whole, knew anything. We didn't have the whole talks and we didn't have like the Intel fusion cells and all that other stuff. I mean, literally what we're doing in Jerusalem, I mean, we build our own packages. So, I mean, we build our own building, our site surveys and everything else. And then um, by the time I got back to um, Iraq and started seeing what was going on and seeing how things were working. I mean, you, you had the whole freaking talk set up, DOD coordination, Department of State, RSOs, helicopters. I mean, just freaking everything you could need. And and I, I got to be, I'll be perfectly honest with you, Tonto. One of the one things that I didn't do that I wanted, that's a lot. Two of the things that I had the opportunity <laughs> to do and I didn't get a chance to do it. I was recruited for car size detail and I was recruited for Brimmer's detail. And okay. I didn't get, I, I was called up by the military in 0405. So I didn't get a chance to do that. And th- those were two ones. Those, those were also two of the, the, the high profile details, including yeah. Israel and everything else. But I got recruited by Gary Jackson at Blackwater and oh, I made yeah. the laugh, dude. I, I was recruited for. I, I saw the old emails. I was recruited for DSS Class Two. You would have been right after me. You coming right. You would have been. We would have been punching out where you were coming in. And, yeah, uh, bro. I mean, I wanted. I wanted to do that one so bad. But at, at the end of the day, I mean, I've had a great experience <laughs> and a great life. But and that, those were the, those were those were the two, especially Bremer. Bremer would have been fun. Well, and that, that's where they were really. They did perfect, and and uh, you know, hands down to the. Blackwater guys on that detail, the Dyncore guys on the Karzai detail, they really did perfect PSD throughout mm-hmm. those two details. I mean, I mean, it has changed and it's going to morph because our enemies changed and their tactics changed. But if you want to go to the, the playbook of how to do big team PSD, it's Karzai and Bremer. And, and yeah, I was very blessed to work with those guys and then also work on on the State Department details after work on the James Jeffries detail, the Charge Day Affairs. Uh, tell me, though, I want your opinion. You know, you, what? Well, first, I want to know first, how many guys did you have on Ambassador Stevens' detail in, his, in, in Israel? What, what, what size was the team? 
And I, I, I kind of have an idea, but I want the listeners out there to know. So when we talk about Libya, you can see that there was something else going on that was shadier and shit. There was fuckery afoot, definitely in in, in Benghazi with with uh, in Stevens. But set the tone. How many people did you have? I'm assuming a lot, but well, that not, actually, quite to the contrary, dude. There, there was well. Let me rephrase. Broken down into the ambassador. Detail and his, and his teams, his, his assets, and, his team. and then we had the consulate general's detail and a few other ones. But for the ambassador, it was me and a guy named Miles. We did the advance, we had an interpreter, so we we're going into um Jerusalem or going into um West Bank, Ramallah, Jericho, places like that. And then um, we also had the RSO, and then we had three other guys that were doing we were doing a two vehicle configuration i mean nothing no, so you, no, had, you no. had enough yeah you had enough teams to do that's i mean that's that's still more than what he had yeah no I mean, no nah, nah, the grs guys i mean you guys were two-man souls in fucking indian country i mean y'all y'all were out there y'all y'all were out there i mean we we had a small team but what, what you guys were doing was was in indian country and then again now if you got into to karzai when you're looking at the k diamond when you got 11 people walking around somebody or you're going into three vehicle motorcades. You got helicopter assets. You got everything, and then same thing with Bremer. I mean, you, you literally got the DOD on call on whenever you need anything. Right. Quick reaction for counter assault teams. I mean, they were even running dummy motorcades. I mean, they were. I mean, not yeah. not getting yeah. too much into OPSEC. I mean, there was a lot of shit going on, dude, uh, when they'd run these motorcades. So it, it, our teams were relatively small, but we kept a low profile. I mean, for for us, I'm in Jerusalem. We weren't running around in black freaking suburbans, I mean, hauling ass through the city and everything else. I mean, we had a little BMW and we had a little Toyota Land Cruiser and that was us, dude. That was us doing the dance. You got a, did you have four, at least we had an RSO, which was awesome, which the RSO was the agent in charge or he was your Yeah, he was, the AIC was good dudes. Yeah. So it was about six of us doing the Ambos detail and there was actually four with them at the time. And QRF to Jenny, QRF Elements, State Department that they designated for, for all the teams or just his team? If we got clipped, we had some of the old school, old, old school GRS guys from back in the day. And yep. then uh, we also had um, uh, we had great rapport with the Israeli police, great rapport with the Israelis in case something happened and they needed to go down there and get us. But at the end of the day, dude, I I, I never uh, there was one Palestinian that made me nervous when we had to go see him uh, and it was his, his security guard. But he this dude. Tonto, you'll laugh, brother. This dude was about a six foot five Palestinian, about 300 pounds. He wore the purple a camouflage and we nicknamed him the purple people leader. I mean, this was probably one of the biggest dudes I've ever seen in my life, bro. I mean, he played lineman in the NFL and I told my boss, I said, he didn't, he blinks at me. I'm going to shoot him. He even looks <laughs> and he goes, no, don't kill him. <laughs> like I'm just telling you, bro. But no, I mean, it was, it was, um, we had, we had the, all the support we need, but we also had a great rapport. I mean, we were talking yeah. to people. We were friendly with people. Um, Dude, I could go down there and any place in Jericho, Bethlehem, any place like that. The first thing people do is give me food. Here, come drink tea. Here's food and everything else. Come out. Shawarma, falafel. I mean, yeah, falafels. Uh, I mean, it, it was good. And um, again, you still want to drip and grin, shake hands, smile and everything. But at the end of the day, you were there. You were there in a security capacity. The only yeah. thing I can honestly say I really didn't like is we never carried long guns. We, we couldn't carry long guns. Yeah, and that's, that's the, in Israel. <laughs> Israel is supposed to be our, and I do believe they are our, our, our friends. Mm -hmm. I know us on the ground, we, we get, we get fight. That's just, that's an arrogant bravado. Mm -hmm. There's Israeli women on the ground. Yeah, it's, it's competing. It's the stupid alpha maleness that goes on. Uh, but yeah, I, I could, I could see that as well because it's Israel. It isn't Iraq. 
It isn't. We're not. There's, we're supposed to be working in this fight together. And in the end of the day, I, and I don't know your opinion. At the end of the day, I thought we were. Granted, you still have guys getting in fights going out with Israelis at night because you're going to a bar and you're American and you're you're an outsider that shouldn't be here picking up on Israeli women. So we're going to fight. And then you get, and then it's our fault too, because guys are getting drunk and just being obnoxious and just being shitheads. But after they, a while, they, we hung out at a couple bars and they one it, it took a while for us to be accepted. But once we were, once people knew who we were and well, let me rephrase that, not knew who we are, but knew what was going on and knew that we weren't any issues or anything like that became friendly because we were there for a year. I mean, we, we were yeah. just, they, we just became, oh, yeah, that was your contracts were a year long. They were a year mm -hmm. long at that time. Wow. wow. That is a long time. What, yeah. what, what, what were you on 90 on 30 off or 90 we, on we, we could do a year or we could do breaks and come in and come back. That contract went on with DynCorp for a few years. Cause I was going to go back after Iraq and I was already told I'd get picked back up. And then um, that's when MBM, hit me up oh, and they okay. said, Hey, are you interested in the OGA program? I said, sure. Why not? And then, um, I think I can't remember the lady's name from BW reached out to me. She goes, I Hey, we want you to come up. Gloria Scheidels. Oh, Gloria. Oh yeah. Gloria she, I think she runs me. guns and ammo magazine now, or she used to, or she oh, wow. left mm -hmm. it for a while. Yeah. Gloria's nice. She's a nice lady. She's, she, lady. She was, She's the one that recruited me for the, pro, for <laughs> the OGA program. That's she was cool. good. One yeah, that must that must have been an amazing experience. I mean, uh, I got to go to Israel for a very short period of time, but I mean, it was I'd, I'd love to go back at some point. Obviously, totally different capacity just oh, yeah. going to visit the country. Um, you know what I wanted to ask you about because because I know you know we're we're kind of running late on time here, but I, I wanted to get into actually just you being a professor at Tulane University yeah. as well a little bit because I think so many guys, Chris, will often say who. Their whole life is contracting. They never know when to get out. And sometimes people in your lane, they don't know if they have transferable skills, you know. And for you, you're doing something that's highly respectable, great university. And yeah, you're is. doing something that is totally unrelated to shooting and kicking down doors or any of that. Mm -hmm. No, and, and I, I, I kept trying to tell these younger guys, man. I was like, man, God bless you. I said, but it, the, the one thing I can honestly say that I'm proud, one of my most proud accomplishments is I was still deploying with OGA and I got my master's degree while I was overseas. Wow. And, and I kept telling guys, I said, dude, you can be the most high speed Marine, dual cool, triple stack SF dude, freaking Trident wearing bub. I said, but I know dudes that got off contract, got fired, did something, whatever. No, no bang on the construction industry, but some of the most yeah. prolific shooters I've ever met were literally swinging hammers. And it's like, yeah. guys, prepare for your future, do something. And they said, well, Spank, you got this. You got no, bro. I'm not. I mean, I'm trying to do something. I'm not going to be that guy. And when I finally left the program, I, I passed the last vetting and I got through everything. And I and I, I called up um, Brad. And I was like, dude, I'm done. Uh, I'm getting too old. I'm getting irritable. I'm getting to that, that point in a man's life where he don't want to be fucked with anymore and being told what to do. And that's what I'd gotten to. And he goes, Rob, we, we, Spank, stick around for a little while longer. We got to get some of these young guys. I said, no, bro. I said, the last vetting, the next oldest guy to me was 10 years younger. I was 44, 40, yeah, 44 years old, 45 years old. And I said, Brad, I'm leaving on my own terms. I'm not going to be somebody that failed out of a qualification, somebody that failed a shooting course, failed housework. I'm leaving on my terms, dude. And I, I, he goes, have you got something lined up? I said, dude, I, I just, I've been selected for, um, actually, I was a major at the time. I, I got my uh, I got my master's degree. I've got a job with the Marine Corps working intelligence um, for the Marine Corps and Marfort North. I said, I've got a game plan, dude. I'm, I'm going. And Brad told me, he goes, hey, you thought it through. I said, absolutely, dude. I know what it's like when I left Jerusalem. They pulled the plug on the Roadmap to Peace mission and we got a cease and desist letter. Bro, 
That's a long fucking flight home when you don't know if you got a job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the miserable existence. And I told myself, Tonto and Ian, a long time ago, bro, I'm not going down that fucking road again. I, I, I got no. something that's solid, something that's stable. And make no mistake, I miss it. I, I miss contacting so much. I miss the bros. I miss being around the gang. But we're Tonto. We're dying breed, bro. I mean, we, 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 we're going out. We're going away. Well, it's, it's okay to. It, but it's okay to. Is to say I'm done. It's okay to close that door. It's okay to retire like Barry Sanders. Why don't everybody retire like Barry Sanders? What I'm what I'm saying, the analogy I'm making is retire at the top of your game. Retire I was at the top of my game, dude. Retire at the retire under your terms and, and be done with it. And 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 let the younger guys be mentors to the younger guys and say, okay. It's your show now. We're in good hands, you know. And, and I, I agree with you, dude. I, I'm saying, I, I when people said that to you, some have said to me the same thing. Well, look what you've got. You've got the ability to go out there. Yeah. Well, it wasn't handed to you. You oh, got no. that bachelor's degree. You're the one that what decided to become an officer and continue on and continue to make rank. And to, and I know that you have to play the fucking game. I mean, but you're playing it. But you're also you're not a sellout. There are officers that become sellouts too. That and you're not. You but you play the game. You may not make general one day, but shit, you're you're still going to make lieutenant colonel. I mean, I make dude. You, the, my opinion, my those guys that play the game but are still the, for the boys, they'll make lieutenant colonel. Some mm -hmm. may make colonel, but that's okay. There's nothing. I mean, holy fuck, that's okay. That's outstanding. That's not okay. That's outstanding making mm -hmm. lieutenant colonel. No, and the, the, the tough part I see, I get frustrated in the officer corps, is I, I see guys get promoted and I shake my head up that have screwed people along the way. And I, I got to be honest with you, Tonto, I take the fact, I've never fucked anybody that didn't have it coming to them. I mean, you fuck me, I'm going to get you back. Bottom line up front, I'm going to, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next week or next month, but if you fuck me over, I'm going to get you back. I mean, that, that's just the way it plays. But going back to what Ian was saying about Tulane, um, I, I got back home and, and a friend of mine, an FBI agent, called me up. He goes, hey, would you like to substitute a class for me? Okay, why not? And so I went in the class and I um, started doing it. And I, I what, what uh, type of class? What were you? Huh? What what type of what class? What was the class? It was uh, international domestic terrorism. Oh and, wow! Uh, the, the FBI just like a GS fourteen fifteen senior intel analyst. So when somebody like that calls you up and says, "Hey, bro, would you help me out?" I was like, "Man, sure, be glad to help you out." Because he used to work for me when I was a company commander in the MI battalion or the Mil military intelligence battalion. So I went in there, stood in for him one day, and I started aggravating the director of the program. Um, about getting on, and, and you know it is. You call them up. Okay, yeah, I'll keep you in mind. Click. Yeah, okay, I'll keep you in mind. Click. So I kept aggravating the fuck out of him, and um, I stood. I stood in for a couple more classes for Mike, and then um, I would take. I'd make the students fill out evals for for me teaching one class, and I take the evals and I send it to the director of the program. So finally, I mean, after doing that for like a year or two, I, I think he finally gave up. Said, "Fuck, he's not going away." So let me go ahead and bring him on board. <laughs> And they, they brought me on board, dude. And, and I, I can tell you, he's, he's a Navy Intel. He was no six. He's retired Navy Intel. Okay. Probably Tonto, one of the smartest people I've run across. I mean, he's got a PhD from Alabama, everything else. I mean, hands down, one of the smartest people you could run across. And um, he brought me in. I started teaching domestic international terrorism, started doing a lot of news hits. And then um, Tulane called me up and they said, hey, you want to do news stuff, WWL, all that other shit. I was like, yeah, I'll take care of it. And then um, it got to the point where Tulane said, look, you don't have to call us anymore. If you get a direct hit, speak for the school. And then I kept doing that and doing that. And that in turn got me moved from an executive officer for an artillery battalion as an XO to public affairs and civil affairs okay. for my last trip to Iraq in a reveal because I was literally a spokesperson for the base uh, for northern Iraq and yeah, Syria. Yeah. 
And that helped out because I had a um, Tulane actually led me up to a lot of these positions I'm in now because I started teaching international domestic terrorism at the undergraduate level, got some great accolades, got a couple little dinky buttons, a couple little awards. And then um, they said, hey, go up to the graduate school and teaching a master's program in um, Homeland Security and Emergency Management, uh, Risk Management and Threat Assessment. So it's built. I mean, granted, when I first got out of contracting, it sucks because, Tonto, you know the kind of money we made, bro. I mean, yeah, I went to yeah. little GS, and then um, Tulane picked me up. I mean, stayed with the military. I mean, just just got got picked up doing a few things here and there. I, I recently, I just started a little public relations firm. So this is my shameless plug, IS, IS Consulting Group. So if you're looking for anybody in these PR work, you definitely reach out to me. So, but again, it's just, it sucked for a while. I came home to a divorce. Uh, I got beat up in the, in the divorce and everything else, but I kept the house. I kept the dogs. Uh, I, I can't complain. So that, that was a win for me. But to, going back to Tulane, man, I, I, I will never, ever be able to thank the university enough for what they've done for me. I mean, they, they just, they're just a great organization, a great group of people. Uh, I've got to speak at Isra uh, um, the Israeli um, uh, Political Action Committee before. I mean, I've got to speak, do, do some... Um, Contributing to these guys, I mean, I, they they called me up and wanted me to discuss Iron Dome one day uh, when the attacks were going on in Tel Aviv, and I was able to speak on stuff like that. And being a former artillery officer, obviously didn't help. So looking at it from that standpoint, so it, it's again, I, I'm this is this will be another one of my shameless plugs. I mean, being a professor at Tulane has literally been one of the highlights of my career. Going back to what I've learned at Blackwater and everything else in Dinecore, but but being at Tulane has just been one of the most amazing things I've ever been involved with. I, I'll never, ever, ever look them in the mouth. You're passing on knowledge, and that's how it should. That's that is what the step should be: learn, operate, learn, operate. Okay, we're old as dirt. We're starting to break down. We ain't feeling like we used to. All right, now educate and mm -hmm. pass it on back to those that are coming up that were us. And and um, I guess my lead into that, I, and I'm gonna keep you a little. A little longer. I'm sorry, bro. I know you. I know you got to go work out and go do your go do your powerlifting. But stay with me five more minutes here. Um, yeah, the uh, what are you seeing at the colleges, man? What are you seeing with the kids? Are you seeing? Are, 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 is it is it as and I this is rhetorical. I'm not a rhetorical question. I, I know I have my opinions, but are you seeing? I know what you're saying. Are you seeing a, an indoctrination of 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 progressive ideals? And we don't get into politics too much, but we are here. Or are you seeing it where common sense is starting to dictate and rule? Where kids are finally getting their street smarts back and not just regurgitating garbage in, garbage out what they see in the media? The kids that took my undergraduate class, most of them were military. They get it. They, they understand. Uh, even had um, a couple, I mean, a, a very fine. She is probably one of the most hardcore feminist liberals you will ever meet in your life. But she gets it. She's one of these people, she can disagree with you without being disagreeable. I mean, I love spending time with her and her husband. Her husband's a Marine, so she, she kind of gravitated a little bit towards one of these alpha males. So well, no I, wonder I, she's a feminist and her husband's a Marine. Gotta say, you're going to hate men more than anybody if you got to marry a Marine, man, you damn jarheads. Always fucking shit up. I swear. No, that, that's, that is, that's, that is so, I bet that is a dynamic household to say the least. Oh my gosh. You got yeah, and little feminist and then Marine. Wow. She's just a sweet. I mean, I was honored when they asked me to stand in their wedding. I mean, I was just that's all awesome. just just great people. But yeah, I mean, just going back to what you were saying, uh, the, the the undergraduates, you can see they're still figuring stuff out. They're, they're trying to get things going and everything else. Most of the people at the graduate level, Tonto, they, they're like GS 
14 to 15 okay. and, and senior executives and security executive vice presidents and all these other guys. I mean, they're, they're looking to take that experience they have and, and basically say, okay, I've got 20 years of experience in the security field. Now I've got a master's degree in emergency management. So they're, they're checking the box. And whenever gotcha. somebody's taking their education and combining it with their experience, that's the person yeah. that I like because yeah. that's literally the reason that I got hired for the program is doing, I mean, 10 years with the agency doing stuff. I mean, literally being at coast, being in Afghanistan when Bin Laden's body was brought back to Jalalabad. I mean, being in these different places, it's like, okay, yeah, we were there. We seen that. And, and Dr. Wallace will tell you, he goes, he goes, I can't put a price on that experience. He goes, I can have PhDs coming here all day long, not already security. He goes, but when I have guys like you and, and Mike, the GS 15 or 14 from the Intel side and some of the other guys walking around the program, I mean, he goes, that you're bringing real experience to the academic classroom. He goes, well, he goes, we sell that. He goes, I, he goes, tell you right now, he goes, to me, you're a commodity. I sell you. He goes, you go to Tulane, he goes, your name's on a list of senior professors and subject matter experts and things like that. And he goes, I sell you. He goes, I'll take, I'll tell you that right now. He goes, now I'll fire your ass if you do something stupid, but I'll sell you. <laughs> that, that's so awesome. awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, and I, I think that this shows like that. Yes, you can go on to do something that, as you said, is a highlight of your life. Cause I've, I've heard other people say that guys do go through post-traumatic stress because They'll never do anything as cool as what they did. Like what could, what could top being in combat, being a combat veteran. And it sounds like for you, you found something that topped it, but in a totally different way. And I think that's, you know, guys can't replicate that feeling. They'll have to go on to find something else they're passionate about teaching the next generation like you're doing. Um, I personally had one last question. You, you mentioned before guys calling you spank. Your name on here is spanky. So I assume call sign spanky. Call sign I'd was like spanky. to hear where that's from. <laughs> That came well, look, actually look that him, came from Israel, huh? I, look, I was telling Ian, look at him, dude. He looks like Spanky from the Little Rascals. <laughs> That's, That's where it came I, from, dude. Because literally, the the Ambassador Wolf. I mean, uh, Max was the one that first coined Spanky because it started out Bravo team in Jerusalem was Little Rascals. That that popped in the conversation one day, and then somehow Max called me Spanky, and it just stuck. And it was also when he used to go in his room by himself, though, dude. We used to hear. This- <laughs> all the time in this room like jesus spanky come on put that shit away dude I, do, yes, is... I hate it when you look through the window dude it got awkward because you think i, I, I was curious I, I was i know i was curious i was like wow how do you do that left-handed reverse grip i just don't know how he did that he's subject matter expert but no and i i laugh one day because we had the um the rso came in a good Dude, man, he goes, well, what I call you? I said, you can call me Spanky, the ambassador does. And they just kind of laughed about it because that's what the ambassador Wolf ended up calling me after a while was just, hey, Spank. And then Tonto, you saw it, and then everybody else, and just stuck. Boy, it had to have his call sign. The call sign found him, dude. And we always were wondering, we're doing the med kits and all the KY jelly and the Vaseline was gone. And like, geez, Spanky, can you just go to PX and buy it? I mean, it doesn't cost but a buck. Inflation hasn't hit, hasn't hit us yet. But no, nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're, you're a good dude, yeah, brother. And, and but that's that's the kind of days we have at the when him and myself and Sawbones were working uh, at Blackwater. Those were our days. That was our days of just giving each other shit, PTing together, and then going and doing our thing. And it was that was a good time, man. We had a good few. I, I it was only about what three, four months because I remember I was still deploying, so I was still going back and forth. Yeah, and see, I got pulled over there because they couldn't give me a deployment date. 
Because I went through vetting. I did all the qualifications with Russ Todd and all those other guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Russ, yeah. Yeah, couldn't get a date. And then um, ended up finally coming to work for you, um, doing some work there and everything else. And again, brother, I mean, without sounding cliches or bullshit, Tonto, thank you for everything, brother. I mean, it it means a lot. It always had. I mean, it was always try this or do this or push yourself a little bit harder or go go work out or go do this or something like that, dude. And again, at the end of the day, dude, you, you always – you always wanted to turn it up a little bit. Always trying to turn the heat up a little bit. Then when you notice the wheels start falling off, you back it up a little bit. And then we, we yeah, go yeah. a little bit further, dude. Well, that's that's how you do it. You just try to keep to improve. Two steps forward, one step back. But you always sucked it up. And and to say that me and Sawbones – and Sawbones was, I want to say, SEAL Team 8. But he was a TDC yeah. instructor. You know, he was an instructor long mm-hmm. before I was. I'll be honest if we didn't say we were going to test you a little bit when he came in. Like, all right, regular Army guy. All right, let's see what he's got, and let's yeah. put him to the wall a little bit. And and did that day that first still that first day where you did the PT test with us, where I and that standard, I got to that standard was hard. I I set that standard hard. I made sure and I ran it to make sure. But dude, you 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 did it, and I was like, oh, he's good, he's good to go. All right, let's. Dude, let's it, was, see. it was hard, bro. I mean, that that whipped my ass, dragging dragging the dummy out of the first <laughs> motor of car to the second car and everything else. <laughs> and that was at the end. Me. That was at the end of a two mile obstacle course yeah. and running around the whole thing. Now you got to drag it and now you got to shoot. And yeah, I forgot. I forgot. all, dude, that was a, I was an asshole. What is it? What sadistic fuck thinks of that kind of PT course? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, and the thing that helped me, and that's where the power, bro, that's where the power lifting came in because they, the, the guys doing qualification, they kept fucking with me. Because they say, why don't you drag it? I said, because I can put it over my shoulders. Can put it on your shoulders. Right. I, I, man, I can I can squat clean almost fucking 300 pounds. I think I could put a 170-pound dummy on my fucking back. So that, <laughs> no, you're going to hurt yourself. You can't do that. And then Mark Marble goes, well, fuck him. He can do it. So and yeah, he left me alone. Let him do it. That was awesome. awesome I'm, I'm, dude, I'm glad you're, you're doing well and and keep setting the example and keep, you know, keep with the generation. You know, I, I really think this generation's – I don't think it's as bad as people say. I wanted to ask you because you're there and I'm not in, I'm not in a college setting anymore. I'm not around, but I'll be honest. I, I don't think it's as worrisome as people make it to believe. I do think the work ethic is not what it was when we I were up. just like, I, but I, I don't think the work ethic from the world war two guys is what it was to us either. I think back when it was hard, I really do believe there's some, there's some, uh, there's some truth to that. It was always harder before. I really do. Well, those, those guys, I mean, that, those guys will be the greatest generation for a reason. I mean, my, yeah. my grandfather, my paternal grandfather <clears throat> flew um, flew B-17s over, over Europe in World War II. I mean, yeah. flew all his missions. My maternal grandfather was with the island hopping campaign with the Marines at Guadalcanal, Iwo Jima, and Saipan. Wow. My dad was a Vietnam vet, and my brother and I, my brother was 2nd Battalion Rangers. After yeah, you that's right. And um, that's right. my, my little brother and I, Iraq, I've spent all our time in the trenches. So the, the, we just... Again, you, that people joke about that. I mean, I, I can literally say what these Vietnam guys went through, what these Korea guys went through. That was literally back when it was hard. There was no fucking APs, no no air conditioner chews or shit like that, dude. I mean, what your life consists on what you had on your back, period. Yeah, yeah. And if it got um, wet, well, it looks like you're getting wet. We'll, we'll keep passing that on to the, to the college kids, though. But but I, I I do think there is a change, a pendulum. I, I see it, a pendulum change to kids are getting their common sense back a little bit. I, it's, but it's guys like you that are going to ensure that and not me it's you're 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 in the front right now so keep doing that keep keep setting the example up there and keep bringing those bringing those kids in the back to the value of hard work and the the value of of, of this country the, the belief again that this is the greatest country 
in the world. I never mm-hmm. stop believing that, but I, I think there's people that have their doubts and I still don't doubt it. Regardless of who's in charge of this country, <laughs> this still is the greatest country in the world. And I guys like yeah, yourself. And not just the college kids, Stanto, but I've really, tr- I've really tried to lock in again, not just for college, but I truly right, tried to lock into some of these young, young officers. I, I, I have potential in these guys. And, and I'll tell you what, brother, it scares me. These kids are fucking smart, man. I mean, they, I'm impressed with some of the kids I've run across, <laughs> especially in the Intel Battalion. I mean, they, they it's like when I first got the Intel Battalion, my boss goes, you've just gone from the football team and combat arms to the chess team, so make sure you keep that in mind. So, it, but watching these kids, man, these guys are smart. And I, I see a lot of potential in these young officers. I mean, some Good. of them are great, great kids. They know what right looks like and uh, figuratively and literally. Man, but I see a lot of – I have a lot of expectations. And, and at the end of the day, Tonto, I've got a lot of hope for some of them. Good, Good deal. That's awesome. That's can do. Well, follow Spanky on Instagram at it's underscore Robert underscore Allen at it's underscore Robert underscore Allen. The, the uh, name will be right there in the description. This has been a great episode, great conversation. And, yeah, uh, and actually, beyond that, it's been a great week for me. It went from Kansas with Chris to doing this. And uh, I didn't really say it in the intro because we skipped through. And, and I just wanted to say, man, like after visiting Kansas, I have a new love for Kansas. Early on, I was like, what made Chris move here? Which I'm sure a lot of people thought. And then I was out there, and especially seeing Chris interact with his kids out there, jumping on the trampoline, your your youngest son jumping into golf carts, saying he takes after you. Um, I, I could truly say that uh, – for you, man, I mean, I see it all the time that there's guys who say, oh, my family comes first. And I almost feel like it's an image thing. But, like, for you, truly, your yeah. family comes first. Like, I got to see it firsthand there. And, man, it was a, it was a great week. And, and it, you know, made me feel blessed to do this podcast and, and have sponsors like Fort Scott Munitions that keep us doing what we do. So, uh, yeah, great interview. And, and, it's, great uh, interview. and it's been you a great, great week for me. Uh, great yeah, job, yeah. buddy. It's been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate it. Tonto, words can't. Can't describe, brother. Got nothing but love for you. Nah, man. You, you, you know I got your back, dude. And, uh, Absolutely. I, and I appreciate you coming on. And, and we'll get you on again. We got a lot of more stories we could talk about, too. And and I, I would, you know, love to hear about your advice on, because uh, I think the generation could learn a lot from you just because of your work ethic, just that I saw. And and and, and I was I wouldn't call it brief in the time that we spent there. It wasn't brief. It was. It, it seemed like a lot longer than what it was because I think we were just enjoying it. We had a good time and, and you proved yourself. So. God bless you, brother. I appreciate you coming on, Spank. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, brother. Be safe out there. Ian, same thing, brother. Y'all be careful out there. You too, brother. We'll talk to you later, man. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battle Line Podcast and on Twitter at Battle Line Pod. To sign up for future Battle Line tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.